KMTT Kimitzion Tetzay Torah and today Thursday we have the second shoe in the series on Yud Gimel Midot HaRachamim this is Ezra Bick speaking in the first shiur beginning of the week I introduced the topic of Slichot I just want to review or repeat the basic point I made saying of Slichot calling B'Shem Hashem calling the name of God is the basis for the revelation of God's presence in the world. Since we call B'Shemot Rachamim, we call the Yudgim Omidot Rachamim, the 13 attributes of mercy, then that is the way God appears. Because God has an agreement, so to speak, with the world that His presence in the world is based on the world or man's looking and calling on God. Today, we're going to start the Midot themselves. There are 13 Midot. That's what Chazal said. There's a Kabbalah, a tradition in Chazal that there are 13 Midot of Achamim. If we look at the Pasuk, which begins, Vayavor Hashem HaPana Vayikra Hashem Hashem Kerachum Echanun Erech Apayim Amchesed Lemenos Chesed Lafim Nosei Avon Nefesh Vachatav Anakei Lo Yenakei Apokei Devon Avot It's a long Pasuk. It's not immediately clear where the 13 Midot are. There are different systems. We're going to follow one system, which is the basic system. It's more or less what our tefillah is based on, since we end after the word Menachem, we begin with the word Havaya, Havaya, Hashem, Hashem. Uh, but it's important to know that there are other systems. The system that we're following is described in the Tosfot, in the Yudzayim Mudbet, in Rosh Hashanah. And it counts the first two names of God in the Pasuk. Hashem, Hashem, as two Midot. There are Rishonim who count none of, neither of the two as a, as a Midah, because it's not a Midah Rachamim. They think it's God's name. Uh, Hashem, Hashem, that's, so to speak, the subject of the sentence. And now, who is God? He has 13 attributes of mercy. So, Hashem, Hashem is now 13 attributes. There are some Rishonim who count the two of them as one, because it's, it's the same word. So, Havai, they say, is Hashem Rachamim, but it's only one. Shame. It was repeated in the Pasuk. Sometimes you very often have that when you call out to somebody, you call them out double. So Hashem called out Vaham Avraham. And we call Havaya Havaya. But the opinion that we're going to be following is that of Abbein Utam that counts Havaya Havaya Hashem Hashem as two different Midot HaRachamim. And this is based on uh, the Gemara itself. Tosfot in Rosh Hashanah Tafidzayim Udbet quotes Abbein Utam who says the two first names are two midot or two attributes. How does he know that? Because the Gemara says as follows. This is the Gemara we quoted last week. It's the continuation of the same sentence. Rabbi Yochanan said, This pastor teaches us that God dressed himself, wrapped himself like a shliach tzibur and showed Moshe Rabbeinu the order of tefillah and he said to him, Whenever the Jews sin, let them do this order, and I will forgive them. Now, direct continuation, no pause. Hashem, Hashem. Anihu kodem adam, vanihu l'achar adam v'yaset tshuva. So the Gemara says, what does it mean, Hashem, Hashem? I am God before man sins, and I am God after man sins. 
So Tosot says, since the Gemara explains Hashem Hashem, I am bef- I am God, I am Hashem before He sins, and I am Hashem after He sins, we see that there are two different midot. Why is Hashem Yud Kevavkei and Midat Rachamim? Tosot doesn't explain. It just says it's well known. Havaya Midat Rachamim Beloke Elokim Shuhu Midat Din. There's an ancient tradition that Havaya is Rachamim, Hashem is Rachamim, and Elokim is Din. But Tosot doesn't explain why. Okay, so we have two jobs now. We have to understand why, in fact, is the Shem Havaya a attribute of mercy? And two, how can there be two of them? Even if the Gemara says, I am Hashem before man sins, and I am Hashem after man sins, offhand the Pshat says, despite the sin, I remain the same. So it's only one attribute. It's one attribute that perseveres, but why would you count it as two? And yet that's what the Gemara is saying, at least according to Abenu Tam's interpretation. So, first point first. Why is Havaya Hashem Rechamim? What I'm going to say is based, to a large extent, on a Sicha, uh, on a discourse of Rav Hutne Zatzal in the Pachet Yitzhak to Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, I'll be expanding it somewhat, but the, the kernel of the idea is really found there. Yud Vavke is God's proper name. It's the only name of God which is inapplicable to anything else, to even to false gods. Nonetheless, what, what is the simple pshat of the name? The, the root of the, of the letters, Yud, K, Vav, K, Havaya, means existence. And the simple pshat of the name Yud, K, Vav, K is that God is it's, it's, a, it's an active verb of existence. Makes existent. Hashem mehaveh et kol ha'olamot. God is responsible. He's the basis of the existence of everything. Of all, of all existence. As havaya yudke vavke. It's an active uh, uh, transitive verb. God makes all existence. He's responsible for all existence. Everything that exists is based in God. Nothing is independent of God. And, and and this means not only in the sense that God created the world, but as the Rambam explains at the beginning of Hilchot Dayot, the very meaning of the word existence means dependent on God. It's God is God is existence Himself. He's the basis of existence. Yud K Vav K. Why is that midat vachamim? The answer is relatively simple. The Rambam in the Mer Vuchim asks a famous question, why did God create the world? And the Bible's analysis is as follows. There are only two reasons, rational reasons, why somebody should do something. Either for himself, or for the object of his action. God created the world. It's either he did it because he needed a world, or he did it because the world needed existence. Well, he says, he didn't do it for the sake of the world, because before God created the world, the world didn't have any problems. In other words, if you exist, then God can give you something because He wants you to enjoy something. If you're in trouble, God will save you. But non-existence doesn't require existence. Two, it can't be for God's sake because God is perfection. He doesn't need anything. And therefore, the Bible concludes, I can't think of any reason whatsoever. There's no rational reason available to man's intellect which will explain why God created the world. And therefore, the Bible has this 
unusual formulation. You don't say that God desired to create the world. You say the desire arose in God to have the world. No, he says, I can't answer the question. Well, this is a controversial matter. We shouldn't disagree with the Rambam. But the basic analysis is correct. And therefore we can conclude that the creation of the world was by definition an act of chesed. Meaning, it wasn't, it wasn't based on any law. It wasn't based on any right. It wasn't based on justice. Justice means to give to something that which it deserves. To give existence to the non-existent world is not a deserved thing. The, the non-existence doesn't deserve to be to receive existence. Nothing exists, so therefore there can be no need, no obligation. God is not obliged to the world to create it. So the act of creation, ex nihilo, the act of creation, yesh ayin, is the greatest possible act of chesed. If you exist and I exist, and I give you something, stucker, I, I give you something which perhaps you don't deserve, but you, you, you still deserve it a little bit. There's possible arguments as to why I should give you a million dollars. But if you don't exist, I, I can't possibly owe you anything. Creation from non-existence. Yesh me'ayin. Existence after non-existence. The original creation of something which has no basis in anything else other than God. Its existence is due solely to an act of God. Its existence is due solely to a pure act of chesed. Chesed here meaning not, not mercy. Chesed meaning undeserved without any basis of obligation or law or justification. The creation of the world is justified by nothing other than God's pure goodness. He wishes to give and therefore he gives the world existence. Therefore, Shem Havaya is by definition a name of an attribute of mercy. And it's an important point. It's a metaphysical point. It sounds a little bit distant perhaps to the less uh, theologically uh, inclined among us. But it's a very important point because what it means is that if you exist, then you're already infinitely indebted to God. Because your existence is pure chesed on His part. Pure unmitigated chesed on His part. And it's important to understand that this attribute doesn't relate specifically to anyone's individuality. You, I, the ant, the bacteria, we're all recipients of God's chesed, of this chesed, in exactly the same amount. Because this midah, it's et kol alamot, it's pure existence. Before you existed, you weren't, you don't deserve existence any more than the ant. Meaning, your, your non-existent self doesn't have any more of a claim on God than the ant. We're all totally non-deserved. And that's why Midat Havaya is the first of the attributes. Because later on we're getting involved as to why God should have mercy on you. Why are you recipient of mercy? But the first Midat Havaya is that everything that exists is the recipient of Chesed. Equally, undifferentiatedly. Because if you exist at all, 
pure, simple existence without any particular qualities. It doesn't make difference if you're big or small, smart or stupid. It doesn't matter what color you are. Pure, et, just existence. Existence, qua existence, is, is chesed. Now we have to understand the Gemara. The Gemara says that Havai is divided into two. Ani Hashem kodem sheikhta adam, Ani Hashem lacha sheikhta adam. And here I rely on Ravutna's point. Ravutna says this act of chesed that's called giving existence, pure existence, the act of creation, of original creation, of God of everything, it works only up to the first sin. Only until sin exists. Why is that? By definition, if we say that everything that exists is only, totally dependent on God's will, nothing can exist outside of God's will. He is responsible for all existence. Then it's immediately clear, or should be clear, that sin cannot exist. Because sin, by definition, is against God's will. And existence is defined as being God's will. It's not that if you do something against God's will, so God will be angry at you and therefore you will be destroyed. No, no, it's much more basic than that. If you do something against God's will, then why do you exist? After all, existence, by definition, the name Havaya, the name Yutke Vavke, says that Everything that is called Havaya Humimenu. God is responsible for all. God's will is responsible for all. Well, when God's will created the world, it didn't include sin. Because sin is against God's will. That's what sin means. So there's no room in Shem Havaya, offhand, for the possibility of sin. And therefore, the result of sin should be. Non-existence. Wherever there is sin, you're outside of the bubble of shame Havaya, and therefore you don't exist at all. This is the the Chiddush. This is the insight. This is the amazing thing that God says. Havaya, Havaya, Ani Hashem, Kodem Sheyichta Adam. Va'ani Hashem, Ani et kol olamot. I created everything. I'm responsible for all existence before the sin, and I'm responsible for existence even after the sin. It's a new act of creation. In the words of Rav Hutna, the action of the first Shem Havaya ends at sin, and you require a new Havaya. Now, on the one end, it's the same thing. It says that even though there's sin, God makes the world. God is the basis of existence. But even though it's the same thing, it's radically different. Because we're now saying that God wishes, God's will includes that which is against His will. There's an amazing paradox involved in saying this. And it indicates the depths of, 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 of what sin consists of. 
Sin isn't something which annoys God. Sin is simply something which it's, it's it, sin. The, sin exists in sin. Sin which exists. A human being who is a sinner and he exists is something which exists despite God's will that it not exist because God wants that those things which he doesn't want should also exist. Let me say that again because I know that it sounded ridiculous. God's will includes those things which God's will does not include. God doesn't want you to sin, but he wants you to exist even though you sin. To sin is to contradict existence and nonetheless, midat chesed, God's grace, God's mercy includes even the sin. And I think this is the first pshat and the reason why it all comes together in Rabbi Yochanan's statement. If it were not for an explicit pasuk, we could not say such a thing. It teaches us that God wrapped himself as a shliach tzibur and said to the following, Hashem, Hashem, I am God before the sin, I am God after the sin. That's included in the were it not an explicit pasuk, we could not even imagine it. How could you even say such a thing? How can we say that we believe that God's will, God wishes sin to exist? Of course he doesn't wish sin to exist. But that's what the pasuk says. Ani Hashem kodem adam, v'ani Hashem adam. Now we know what the philosophical reasoning behind this is. The philosophic reasoning behind this is is what's known as the theory of free will. Okay, I'm not going to explicate it now. I assume that you're somewhat familiar with it. The idea being that God wishes for man to have free will because free will is itself a good. God who is good and only good wants there to be free will which is good. But that itself includes the possibility of sin. So it, it turns out in the end, it, yes, that God is responsible for the ability to do sin. And when you do sin, God maintains your existence, even though what you're doing is against His will, because overriding the explicit anti-will of God involved in your sin is the pro-will of God that you should be able to utilize your free will, your pechibach of shit, for whatever, for either sin or virtue. And hopefully in the future it will be used for virtue. Okay, it's a very complicated thing. We're so used to saying it, but it's very, very complicated because it, it involves a contradiction, an internal contradiction. But yes, on the one hand, God doesn't want you to sin, but on a secondary level, He wants you to be able to choose. And therefore, He so to speak has no choice but to acquiesce in your sinning in order to receive people who have free will to do, to do good. Okay, so you, you'll think about the theory some of the time. But, it's, that doesn't take away the fact that the theory makes sense, hopefully it makes sense, doesn't uh, uh, minimize the extraordinary amount of chesed involved. God agrees that you should exist, which He doesn't need. He does it only because He's pure goodness. And He agrees that you should exist despite the fact that your existence is against His will. But it is His will that you should exist so that eventually you can act according to his will. And this, I think, explains the conclusion of the statement that we read. I am God before man sins. But that's not the end of the statement. 
אני אשם לך שיחטא האדם ויעשה תשובה. I don't think it means that God says I am God after man sins and has already repented, done tshuva. Because if I'm correct that the meaning Havaya means that God is responsible for all existence, then God is responsible for the existence of those who have sinned and have not done tshuva. That's a fact. In general, I'm going to argue and I will prove it later on in, in the later Midah that all the Yugimu Midah, at least the first twelve, till we get to the Nakei, are not for Balei Tshuva. They're before you do Tshuva. I think the meaning is, I am God after man sins, V'yaset Tshuva, meaning, and he will do Tshuva. Why does God acquiesce in the existence of sin? Why does God want you to exist after you've sinned? The reason is because he's hoping for you that you'll do Tshuva tomorrow. It would be ridiculous to say that God simply wants people to act against his will. That, that is literally a logical contradiction. The reason why we can have the two levels, God doesn't want you to sin, but he wants you to exist. Because of B'chivach of Shit is because he wants B'chivach of Shit to lead to Tshuva, to lead to repentance, to lead to correction, to Tikkun, to virtue. So overriding the immediacy of your sin is God's hope. He wants you to have B'chirach of Shit so that you will use it in the future to correct that which you've done and to come closer to. So that's what it means. I am God before man has sinned. I am God for tzaddikim. And I am God for lachar, sheikh Adam. I am God for rishaim, for the evil, for sin. Because man is capable in the future of doing tshuva. Now what this means is the following. When we say Yudgimu Midot, I say Yudgimu Midot simply names of God. The names of Rachamim. But there is some kavana. Maybe, maybe kavana is the wrong word. You don't have a certain intention, a certain understanding of what you're saying. What is the understanding which accompanies Havaya Vishona, Havaya Shniya? Havaya Vishona, when you say it, you have to feel, you have to feel that you're saying, I exist because God is a Baal Chesed. Havaya Shniya, you're saying, I exist in my sin because God wants me to exist even though there is sin. You have to add mentally via Setshuva. If you would commit yourself to never repenting, to never doing tshuva, then Havaya Shniya, the second Havaya, wouldn't include you. So even though you haven't done repentance yet, it's complicated to do this. You have to really work on yourself and figure out why you did it and, and, and make commitments. But you at least have to hold open the possibility. You have to say, I'm a person who has Bechirach of shit. And that's worthwhile. It's only worthwhile because you could do good with it. If you have no intention of ever doing good with the Bechirach of Shit, then your Bechirach of Shit is worthless. And there is no reason that God should want it. So when you say, Havaya Shniya, you're saying, I'm, I'm terrible, but, but I'm still worthy of your chesed, of your giving me existence, God, because I can do good in the future. I would say that it's the potential to do tshuva, as the Gemara says, v'yaset tshuva, the potential to do tshuva has to be part of our calling on God's name. We're calling you who are Hashem. What does it mean, you are Hashem? You who are Hashem, 
who maintains man because he can do tshuva. That's what we mean by the word Havaya the second. Havaya the first, you are God who creates all because of unrequited or unrequired love. And you are God who creates and maintains all despite the sin because you are waiting for them to do tshuva. Now it's important to realize that psychologically there's an enormous difference between actually doing tshuva, which as the Rambam and Balei Halacha explain involves a, a repentance, regret for the past, an acceptance, commitment for the future. A, you need to have a, a, a deep psychological understanding of what caused you to sin and you have to divorce yourself from those reasons. It's, 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 a, it's quite a process, which hopefully you'll do till Yom Kippur. There's a tremendous difference between that and what we're talking about here, between a a um, a readiness to do tshuva. I want to do tshuva. I haven't done it yet, but I want to do tshuva. I'm 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 at least open to the possibility that I'll do tshuva. The psychological difference between them is is frankly our problem. Most of us between now and Yom Kippur are going to begin the process of tshuva. We're going to feel bad. We're going to want to be better people. And Yom Kippur, we're going to say to God, I want to be a better person. Why don't we succeed? Why is it that minutes, days, weeks after Yom Kippur were exactly as we were beforehand? Because we didn't really do tshuva. We didn't return. We just expressed the willingness to return. Maybe we hoped that God would drag us back to Him. The psychology of tshuva is very complicated and very strenuous. But there is something involved in the willingness to do tshuva. And that's what we describe today. The willingness to do tshuva, the desire to do tshuva, the fact that I, I maintain the possibility that I will be a better person tomorrow gives me the possibility of existing. The pressure is on. You're supposed to do something. But you can exist even though you haven't uprooted the sin because God has made a commitment to the world that it will exist with Pichirach of Shet, even though there will be ups and downs. That is the Shem Havaya Shenia. Okay, so we have learned today not one Midah, but two Midot. Havaya, Havaya, said with a different, a different awareness different intent to some extent both of which are despite the fact that they don't contain any particular reasoning of mercy they are attributes of mercy the attributes of mercy which relate to man not in his individual state God doesn't have mercy in you because you of this or that because you've done something in the past they have mercy on you because God wants the world to exist. I don't know why He wants the world to exist. I have certain ideas, but it's not important. God desires existence. And He desires existence with the attribute called free will. And therefore, He desires existence even though the possibility and the actuality of evil will be part of that existence. 
So God has made a basic commitment that the world with the evil and the sin in it will exist. And therefore when Midat Adin, when the attribute of justice and judgment says you've sinned, you don't deserve to exist, and that's of course absolutely correct, but we call out and say God be part of this world. Hashem, Hashem, Havaya, Havaya. And in our calling out to God, Berit Kruta there's a covenant over the Yudimah that God will in fact appear. He will reveal Himself in the world according to that Midah. So the first two Midot are God wants this world to exist. But that doesn't really help us very much because we've passed the point of the first Havaya because we've sinned. Well, God wants this world to exist even though there's sin. And that gives us, first step, the possibility of simply existing. We're not talking about about kapara, of atonement. It doesn't mean God has to love you. But you can continue to exist a few more days and you better do something in those few days. I advise you very strongly to do tshuva. But you can continue to exist although you have no rational basis for existence because your sin and sin is against existence. You can exist because Havaya Shniya, God has made a commitment that this world will exist. He has certain plans. He expectations from this world. And therefore the world will exist even though right now it really looks terrible. And that possibility of existence is our hope. That's our salvation. Because it gives us a chance as opposed to immediately non-existing. As the Gemara in the Tadzayin Rosh Hashanah says, "Mishayim Gemurim Miyad Kalim." A person who is evil doesn't exist. But now Midat the Chesed of Hashem says, "You can be a Russia. You can be an evil person. You, you're more. You, you've sinned, and you can still exist." But again, what is the condition that you hold out the possibility? You hold out the future expectation which for God is so crucial, that in the future you will use the Bukhrach of Shit to correct that which you've done till now. Okay, we will continue next week with the third attribute. The third attribute according to the counting of the Tosfot is the word Kel. Kel doesn't sound like an attribute of mercy, just the name of God. And we'll be basing ourselves on something found not in the Tosfot on Dafyud Zayin, but next to the Tosfot, if you have a Gemara, there's a Haga'ah Tosfot, there's a little addendum, a comment that appears in small letters next to the Tosfot. And it's also from the Balea Tosfot. And there, there's an explanation of why Kel is a Midat Achamim. That will be the subject of our next year. And until then, wishing you a fruitful beginning of the endeavor of tshuva in this Chodesh Elul as well as a Shabbat Shalom for me Kol Tuv you've been listening to KMTT Sevizan Yud Gimomidot HaRachamim the 13 attributes of Chesed Kol Tuv